You're listening to Sweet and Sir Radio Hour from WMBG Radio. Here from downtown Williamsburg, here in the state of Virginia, it is uh, the Sweet and Sir Radio Hour. Coming to you <laughs> as live as during the pandemic. Stand <laughs> is um, celebrations, holidays. Uh, Sir and I had a little chat about, well, what do they want to know about? And I said, well, I think they want to know about just about everything. So we're going to just randomly tell you from our own home life and our kids' lives and whatever, whatever comes out is what you're going to get today. It's going to be a veritable potpourri of information that uh, we hope that you will enjoy. So um, Sir is going to begin our typical minutes here and 20 minutes there. And now um, Madeline, as Master of Ceremonies, you may take it away and introduce Sir. Perfect. Thank you, sweet mama. And thank you so much for the introduction today. Um, we are happy to have you all here for Sweet Mama and Sir Radio Hour. And as Sweet Mama said, this week we'll be discussing traditions. So as we know, the Newman family has many a tradition, um, some really special that you might predict and others a little curious and maybe a bit bizarre. So we're <laughs> here today with Sweet Mama and Sir to talk about the origins of some of these traditions, some of their favorite traditions growing up. Um, and Sura, I will just open the floor to you if you'd like to talk about anything related to traditions, but I also have some questions if you need a prompt. Uh, yeah, you have some questions for me? I do. If you'd like, would you like yeah. to start with a question? Well, <clears throat> I'd like to tell you a little bit about um, when I was a little boy in Indiana. Okay, go right I, ahead. I didn't, I didn't finish all of that the other day. Uh, uh, I was particularly thinking about um, uh, this time of year because, um, you know, my mother was very religious. And uh, so during the Holy Week, which is the beginning of Holy Week is today, Palm Sunday, um, uh, she had uh, prepared us during Lent to, to uh, go to the church and and uh, worship a few times. And uh, I, I, I just had a, got a picture of this in my mind a couple of weeks ago, and I've been sort of uh, mellowing on it. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, for we, went, we always went to a Good Friday service. And um, the Good Friday is the station to the cross. You know the, the fourteen stations, and uh, uh, that was in, in our church. Was in most churches, Catholic churches, it's a three-hour service. So they have all sorts, sorts of incantations and prayers, and, and um, incense burning, giving off smoke, and all. And it's quite uh, quite elaborate. So that was part of our. Uh, our annual Easter time uh, activity. And, um, and then, of course, the other part of that was the uh, completion of that. And 
which was to go to Mass on Easter Sunday. And um, just before that was the opening of the uh, candy that I had uh, uh, given up for Lent, although furtively I did have a little along the way. Um, but on, uh, um, on Sunday, um, we would get all dressed up. I had, a, I had a sports jacket and I had a little bow tie. My hair had been cut the week before. And um, I, I was a handsome young man, uh, only about four feet tall, but still. And uh, she just, and then my sister Carla, she got a new dress for Easter and had her hair all done up. So uh, she um, she was quite fancy too. So that was a very good day for us. And, uh, my mother had prepared uh, some of our Easter dinner and uh, all the things she liked. And um, so throughout my life, I still remember uh, as we coming on to Easter, I remember those, uh, those good times and uh, it was a peaceful time in our family, particularly then. And uh, my dad, uh, at the time, didn't go to church with us, but he sort of got the gist of it and he even uh, uh, got a little Catholicism in it for Easter. <laughs> So um, that's just something that I wanted to tell you about in my in my history because it's uh, an integral part of, of of my young life. Yeah, that's such a sweet sweet story and a great way to kick off. I think with today being Palm Sunday and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned that you liked sweets on Easter Sunday. Did the Easter Bunny come to the Newman household? Uh, the, Easter, the Easter Bunny did come. Uh, it wasn't as a surprise as it had been planned. As my sister and I were far more devious than being deceived by some tricky bringing in of candy. But um, I used to like the, the, the big Easter eggs that weren't eggs. You know, they were that sugar shell and then filled with marshmallow-like stuff. It wasn't marshmallow, but it was like marshmallow inside those big eggs. And then, of course, there were the jelly beans. And then there were the uh, little characters that were chocolate that uh, that they couldn't get. The, what, I can't seem to brush that down. Oh, there we go. I didn't get it yet. It looks and, good. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, you know, we would we would get some of our own candy, and then uh, when they, when the Easter basket finally showed up, uh, we had to look for it, of course, because uh, it had been hidden. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we were very successful finding the basket. We each actually got a basket, and. Uh, we had to fight a little bit about what was in the basket, but because mm -hmm. we had to, my sister and I always had to have a little war somewhere. 
And uh, so that was part of our, <laughs> our disagreements. And she, uh, she still likes candy like I do. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we have to discuss that. But yeah, we, you know, even when we got, became adults, we had Easter baskets. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was a good part of life. It's a good Easter tradition. Now, I understand as well that we have some family traditions that have carried on with your own children. So I'm wondering if you can talk about this season and how it's so special to you with Lent and preparation for um, Easter Sunday and sort of what this time of year means to you and how you how it was important for you to bring tradition to your family. Well, uh, <clears throat> the, the traditions um, that, that uh, we brought forward, Dinky, of course, is uh, a, a very tradition-ridden uh, person as well. But uh, uh, we also dressed our children up for, for Easter. We got them all, uh, all dressed up. The, the girls had pretty dresses, they had their hair done up, and uh, uh, they squawked a little bit about going through all of this, Aaron, but uh, <laughs> they, um, uh, I think Katie liked it most. You know, she liked getting the candy and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, we're talking about squabble. I think uh, in our young family, uh, even as young, very youngsters, they used to disagree on candy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had to have a few squabbles in that. Um, but uh, they were kind of fun, and uh, it always turned out if it, it had to be settled, uh, I would eat candy. Oh, and so they, they knew that, and uh, they <laughs> kind of put an end to the serious fighting. And uh, one of the one of the uh, things that I remember uh, was that Lindsay had worked over at the at the convent and help the nuns clean out their, their house in the spring. And uh, so they gave her a classical chocolate Easter bunny. It was about, I don't know, a foot high, it was big. And uh, you couldn't, uh, Aaron's making dimensions with her hands and they, that's exactly what they, it was like. And it was so, not hollow. It was not hollow. <laughs> so um, we had in, in our basement, um, right next to my uh, beginning office, there was a big refrigerator. And so Lindsay decided that that was where she was going to keep her chocolate bunny. And I didn't know that initially. 
However, I was in that refrigerator one time and she wasn't around and no one else was around. Uh-oh. So I said, well, this is kind of like an invitation to get a chomp of that bunny. And um, I took out a took off a sizable portion of one of his ears. <laughs> and it was uh, too big, uh, <laughs> way too big. And, and so at a time, a few days later, Lindsay came in, down, came upstairs from down in the basement, watching her chocolate bunny with half an ear. <laughs> and uh, you would have thought it was a train wreck. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> so um, I, you know, what am I going to do? I couldn't make it up to her. And uh, in fact, even today, I still hear things uh, uh, rebuttal about that issue, that bunny. Well, I bet it was so good going down, wasn't it? It uh, tasted so it was good. Particularly good. I'd had a bad day and down in the basement on my business, and so I decided to, you know, have a little chocolate. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, a great anyway. story, Sarah. So I, I had one more quick question for you before Sweet Mama comes back. I was wondering if you could talk about for Lent, do you normally give something up or do you start something new in the Lenten season? What is your kind of philosophy? Well, uh, for years, I used to, uh, you know, as a child and then going into my adulthood, I would give up. I'd give up, uh, I'd give up candy and then I'd give it up in about four days into Lent. I'd say, Ooh, I sure could use something sweet. So I, <laughs> I would find some things. But one of the things that I always remember was that, that you know what clove is? You know, mm -hmm. you get a, a stick of clove. The clove has just a little bit of residual sweetness in it. So I would get those clove sticks, suck on them for a while. And then that would, you know, go and also. But that was one of the things that I, I did or didn't. <laughs> and then um, I, I that during that time, I used to have uh, a particular um, re readings. Uh, spiritual readings that I would read, and um, I I had one this year which was uh, particularly good by a priest uh, called Henry Nowen, and he's a uh, very well known spiritualist. Spent uh, a number of years of his service in a uh, home for the disabled up in Canada, and uh, wrote. Uh, about his experiences in there and, and how they relate to his life. So um, I, I particularly read uh, every every day from him just during this plant, and uh, it, was, it was quite good. Mm. And another uh, uh, thing I did this Lent, which I've all, often thought I should do, never really was able to pull it off, but uh, was stop drinking. Oh wow! 
And uh, so I did. Uh, I'm starting Ash Wednesday, and I haven't had a drink since then. Wow. And it just it, it coincides with Richard uh, doing the same thing. He and I talked about it a while ago. And he actually quit in early January, and uh, he's continued it on. So that was uh, um, that was a good idea for me. Yeah, <clears throat> that's pretty amazing. And it, it's a testament to your discipline during this Lenten season and your ability to, to make a decision like that and really commit to it. That's very admirable. Well, thank you. Although I, I've tried it before and I've never been very successful. I mean, you know, a few times. But uh, this year, for some reason, I just felt that it was. You know, yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. So, so Sarah, one more, one more quick question. I wanted to know, as a child, what was your favorite holiday? Well, um, I tell you, I really, I had a great childhood. We had a lot of good holidays, you know. Uh, Fourth of July, uh, Christmas. We, as, as a, you know, as a child, Christmas was always a uh, good time for me. And and Easter, Easter was too. We had, had some of that. But I, I guess I guess Christmas was probably. Uh, but I like Thanksgiving too. Um, Thanksgiving was always one of my favorites. And particularly after uh, we had children, and they had children. Some of our Thanksgivings over these, over these years uh, have really been nice. You know, having you all here and uh, uh, a gang of people and, you know, in the, in the, particularly since we've gotten the bigger house uh, where we could get a lot of kids in. So Thanksgiving is a big one too. Yeah. Um, so it'd be one of those. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough question. I feel like uh, any holiday is a good holiday when you're with friends and family and able to celebrate something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's fun too to see your Thanksgiving dinner table just get bigger and bigger each year. <laughs> Now Seems you've got a great grandbaby that'll hopefully be there one day for Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, we like to see lots of babies, you know? Yeah. So seems like there's more of a trend in that uh, these days. Yeah. It's so fun. Well, I see that Sweet Mama's back, sir. Thank you so much for entertaining us for the past 20 minutes. Well, thank you for listening to my little story. We'll invite Sweet Mama to sit down and then we'll have you come back in about 20 minutes. Okay, you can sit down. I will sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, come on over to the hot chair. Aha! Well, hi. <laughs> it's good to see you here. Thanks, Thank you so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> <for today. laughs> 
So what we did with Sura was we just gave him the floor on traditions and uh-huh. he had a couple things that he wanted to talk about. So okay. I want to give you that option before I also offer that I have a couple of questions as well. So okay. if, if you'd like, I can ask some questions to prompt you if you need. Well, I, I think um, I was thinking about, I think I mentioned last time that my memories are not real good, but you heard about the bicycle Christmas, which was just yeah. extraordinary. Uh, but I, one of my earliest memories actually was uh, a Christmas morning. And um, when I came out, of course, my siblings were very excited to have Christmas fun and have something to do, probably. So I walked out into the living room and there was this uh, wooden table with four chairs and written on the table in uh, raisins was to Dinky loved Santa. And from the front door up to the table were these white footprints. And my siblings had taken my dad's shoes and put talcum powder on them and made footprints from the front door to that table. Now, I was 12 years old and nobody was still going to tell me that there was not a Santa because I saw his footprints. <laughs> I knew that where they came. So that little table and chairs, you know, um, kids that visited at Dee's house, that was the little table and chairs that sat next to Dee's stove. So when we went down for holidays, that was always the kids' table. I think it's at Jackie Boone's house right now, but, uh, but for all those years, um, when the crowds were all together for any kind of holiday or celebration, children always sat at that little table. So it's very special, very, very special. And then just thinking about um, Christmas, Growing up, it was it was a hoot. Um, on Christmas Eve, um, we would make ambrosia every year, and ambrosia was just a huge treat because we didn't have fruit. For instance, uh, my stocking was always just a sock, and in my stocking there would be an orange and some nuts, and that was just heaven to have oranges and nuts. So ambrosia is. Um, a mixture you have to, to peel the oranges and then you have to segment the oranges so that you take all of the flesh out of the orange. So it's just orange and just some grapefruit. And <clears throat> we could use canned pears. So we cut up the pears and, um, and maraschino cherries. She would bring the cherries. That was very special. And then she made some kind of concoction with uh, the coconut milk and the coconut we would get at the store as a whole coconut and use a screwdriver and a hammer and it has three little eyes in it. So you poke a hole in the coconut and then you drain the, the milk out and all of us got to taste the coconut milk. Um, but we had to save enough that she could use it in the ambrosia. And then we would spend the afternoon braiding that darn coconut. Uh, but boy, the next morning when you had, or at Christmas dinner when you had that ambrosia, it was just absolute heaven. So that was in the afternoon and just about dark, Pop would come in and he would wait until um, the Christmas tree lots were all closing. So sometimes he'd get them for free, if not, you know, like just about, you know, 50 cents and you can have the tree. So our trees were really something to behold. I mean, <laughs> if, they had, if they had the slightest little green on them, it was a surprise. And then he would make a big deal about going out in the backyard and taking a couple of planks and hammering along to the bottom of the tree. 
Then we get the box down out of the so-called attic, and um, which was just the rafters, and it'd be a falling apart box. And in the box would be Christmas decorations. And so then we plug in the lights and sparks would fly. <laughs> and so then we always had a roll of black electrical tape. So we would spend the next hour or so seeing what was gonna blow up and what was gonna work. And if we had some, you know, some light bulbs that were burned out, they were the pointy cone kind of light bulbs looked like that. Mm-hmm. So we had cotton and we would glue the cotton for the beard and we'd make a hat. So yeah. our ornaments were the burned out Christmas lights that we made into Santa faces. <laughs> so, so it was the lights and the creation of the ornaments and all of that, but it was all a recycle long before recycle was cool. Um, and with any luck at all, actually we never caught on fire. I don't know how that happened, but the tree would last two or three days and, and then it was just kindling. So we just kind of swept it out the door and that was the end of the Christmas thing. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was the Christmas tradition every year at the Dalton House. And it was a lot of laughs and a lot of fun and um, came forever, you know, of course my favorite holiday. But also um, when I think about Easter right now, um, my sisters, even after Lil was married, she would come home and the four of us on Friday and Saturday before Easter uh, would take whatever we had, like the dresses that were in the closet, and we would take the skirt off of one and the top off of another. And last year the skirt was full and this year we'd make the skirt straight and create something for Easter Sunday. So we all had something new or remade for Christmas Sunday. Everybody had something. And I remember my first um, actual store-bought Easter dress. It was baby blue Clara and it had a little white band around the waist and a Peter Pan collar that was trimmed in white. It was the cutest thing you ever saw. I have a feeling Aunt Lil probably because it was after she was married. So she probably brought that little dress over. So, um, but the funnest part of Easter was in the afternoon, we'd get the old hats out and every hat would be remade. And we would put rickrack on them or raffia or whatever we had, make flowers out of fabric and redo the hats. So on Easter Sunday, Dalton girls would strut into church with our finery on and our hats. And we were, we were cool, man. We were <laughs> so, um, so in my own Dalton tradition, those are a couple of things that really jump out at me. <clears throat> As a family, you can see that it's all about um, being with the people that you mm-hmm. love and mm-hmm. laughing and, and just, making a true fun time out of these celebrations. And um, yeah, so (laughs) I think from that, my party spirit was born. And um, so as my own kids came along, oh, I go back to high school, Dick, um, at Christmas time. Yes, I don't know if he's ever told you the story about New Year's over in Rosedale, but when you bring him back, you might want to hear about that. But okay. um, in high school, the, um, you would get three or four invitations to dances and go from little town to little town. And every little cotillion in every town would have a Christmas dance. So we just danced the night away. Every, every Christmas season between Thanksgiving and Christmas, 
you might go to four or five different dances. And again, mm-hmm. just have a blast. Yeah, that was in the 50s. And, you know, it was it was good times. It was a lot of good times. Yeah. Oh, how fun. <laughs> yes. Man, hearing you talk about these stories, sweet mama, I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall for them because I can imagine too, with all of your siblings' personalities and the stories that you probably shared over like decorating the Christmas tree and getting those hats prepared on Easter, I'm sure it was quite a bit of fun. <laughs> it was great fun. And I, um, I'm just remembering because I had on that, that little blue dress. Uh, I can only remember my mom really, I think, ever going to First Baptist on a Sunday morning this one Easter. Another thing we always did on Easter was we gave my mother uh, an orchid cassage. She had one every single Easter. And even though she never went anywhere, she had her cassage. And, but this particular Easter, um, AC and Laura were already married. They were there. And um, Leon and Tommy were just married. Fat and his wife were there. And Peggy, Kate, and Dickie. And my mom and dad went to First Baptist on Easter Sunday morning, and we were the largest family there. So Mm -hmm. they took our picture outside of church, and it made the paper, and it was just fun. Oh, how fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, because how many people? That was probably what? A lot of people. Yeah, 12 people. (laughs) Oh, which brings me to another story you might want to hear. Aaron and Lindsay and Katie may remember this. Katie won't probably we were living in Memphis, and Aunt Pat, the year before, had had Thanksgiving, another high holy for us, um, <clears throat> at her house out on the farm. And we remember how cold it was, because Aunt Pat would never turn on the heat. And what the, my kids don't remember was turkey or anything. They just remembered they were freezing to death and couldn't wait to get home. That was that Thanksgiving. So I thought, well, next year, we're not going to do that. So <clears throat> living in Memphis, and I decided I would invite the whole family. So um, <clears throat> we went to the church the day before and borrowed some tables and chairs. And um, they were all there. I, I, think, I, I think I remember 20 is the number of <laughs> how many people came. Uh, as, as, if I count them up, you know, everybody was there. Uh, Kate and Ray and Diana, Pat and Pat, Bob and Chad, Jackie and Carol and Tommy. You know, everybody was there. They were in the day at the time. So we had the tables and chairs all set up. And in the afternoon, I started my cooking the day before Thanksgiving. And I got this great idea. And I just decided I was going to do this. So I got a rock Cornish hen and I cooked the hen and I put it aside. We had a washroom and a pantry off of the kitchen. So I kind of put that little hen over in um, next day, I did all my chopping, got the cornbread all cooked. Everybody always brought something, so it was not a big deal, actually, to do a Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody brought something. So about 5 o'clock in the morning, I got up, and we had this huge bird, like a 20-pound turkey. So I put the turkey in the oven and cooked it. So when everybody started arriving at around 11 o'clock, the house just smelled wonderful. I mean, roast turkey, it just smells so good. Meantime, right before I knew they were coming, I took the big bird out of the pan, wrapped it all in foil, and put it in the pantry, and took the little rock cornish hen and put it in the pan and slid it back in the oven. So when everybody was there, 
particularly awful fat, I opened the uh, oven door and screamed, screamed as loud as I could. Oh my God, you're not going to believe Look at my turkey. And Pat comes running into the kitchen. He's like, what, Dinky? What's going on in here? What's happening? Oh, my God, Dinky, what did you do? <laughs> here sits that little bitty rock cornish hen in that great big pan. It was worth every bit of the effort. I'm telling you, they, they were, people were falling down with heartburn for hours after the after the laughing so hard. And, and mainly, Pat's reaction was the funniest of all. So, yeah, we're known to do a few things like that on holidays also. Because <laughs> you have to, you know. Little Dinky, the prankster. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was actually one of the questions I had for you was related to food. Because when I think of Sweet Mama and I think of holidays, I think of some of the most delicious food I've ever had. And I would imagine most people in our live audience tonight would agree with this. So the one of the ones I wanted to start with, so you mentioned ambrosia as something that you would have growing up. Are there any foods that you had as a child that you now prepare for your family today for holidays? Oh yeah, cornbread dressing, of course, mm -hmm. gotta have that. Um, green bean casserole, gotta have that. Mm -hmm. um, sweet potatoes, gotta have that. Pines, yeah. um, pine pie. We were never, I was never really big on pumpkin, you know, so I didn't do the whole pumpkin thing. It was kind of somebody had to do it. We always had it, but somebody else made it. Right, mm -hmm. Heidi? Heidi always does the, uh, the pumpkin for us. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much traditionally. I was curious. Where um, and, and fresh vegetables. You know, Aunt Kate always canned her, her veggies. So, you know, you when you sit generally at my table, you're going to have green and yellow or red and, uh, and a protein. So it's kind of growing up with those colors on your plate that you just kind of keep aware of if you've got the right colors and you have a nice food group or a balanced yeah. meal. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I was curious too. The, so the bunny cake for Easter, when did the bunny cake start? Oh, the bunny cake. I might have said something about that last year, about um, it came out of the newspaper. And uh, does anybody remember the year? I want to say it was, um, I have it. I actually have, you know, sweet mama, she's got it somewhere. Mom, was and it in the commercial appeal? It was in the commercial appeal. This is back in Memphis. And it's right here. 1978. 78. Is that you're putting your money on 78? <laughs> Somebody says 78. Well, next time I promise you I will have the article. And what's interesting about it is that there's an article on the back of the newspaper page that is about good matters, which I found very interesting. So yeah, I'll find it for you next time. Did you yeah. make the first year that you saw that article? Did you start making the bunny cake? I did. I did. And we've made it every year since. Or somebody has. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's amazing. It's funny how the fights that different people have gotten into, right, Katie, about the ears go like this and the stomach goes like that. And everybody kind of had a different version of this. I know this is how you do this. But and sweet uh, mama, I just want to, I just want to go back and say, I think I was absolutely right when, right after Taylor was born and we were in Philadelphia making the bunny cake, I was right and Duffy was wrong. And well, he's evening. not here to he's yeah. not here to defend himself. So of course you were right, Katie. The truth on this one. I it is a hundred percent right. KT was right. Yeah. <laughs> he was wrong. He never will admit it though. Yeah, yeah. never. <laughs> Clara, you thought Clara, you thought you had a bad bunny. I got a couple of them, you know. <laughs> it's settled then. <laughs> it's settled. So sweet mama, one more quick question about Easter. Did you have any tradition dyeing eggs or doing anything with the Easter bunny as a child or once you had your own children? Oh yeah. Well, we just about got thrown out of the neighborhood. Did Sarah tell you about the famous Easter egg plant where we hid the golden egg on the top of the air conditioner when none of the kids could possibly find it because he and Warren put the egg up so high? Did Sarah tell you that story? No. <laughs> Oh, he didn't. Oh, that's one of his famous stories. His friend Warren, you know, married my next door neighbor, Jacqueline. And my kids were just a little bit older than their kids. So we decided that the Sullivans and the Daltons would have an Easter egg hunt. So Dick and Warren went out and hid all of the eggs. And the big ones were supposed to help the little ones, which of course didn't really happen. So Mrs. Sullivan, who was known to be a bit of a control freak and sometimes not real nice, was not real happy with the way the Easter egg hunt was going. So she comes out and gets involved with Dick and Warren about where did you hide all these eggs? Because nobody, nobody, not Aaron, who's the oldest, nobody could find the golden egg. And how did you know you resolve that? The children were weeping. <laughs> I mean, they were weeping. I mean, people, I can't find an egg. You know, grandmother and I'm out there saying, Dick, where did you find that egg? And it turns out it was on top of the air conditioner. So all of the kids went into the house crying and screaming. And, and it was just, everything broke loose. So Mrs. Sullivan didn't talk to the Daltons for I don't know how long. Dick was already, you know, persona non grata to begin with for years. So, I mean, it, it was, it was a very interesting, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I have never heard I, that. It took, it took a ladder. I had to get a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> I had to find a ladder to find the golden egg. And I was the oldest. It sounds to me like Sarah. Oh, really nice. Yeah. Sarah's yeah. best performances are around the Easter holiday. Between him eating... Lindsay Ann's chocolate bunny ear and him hiding the Easter egg on top of the uh, radiator there. Well, I, I see that he's back in here. And if you haven't heard the story of, of the New Year's Eve debutante ball in Rosedale, have you heard that story from Sir? No, we would love to hear it. Uh, sir? Sir, come on over. You don't think that's a good one for this week? No. Oh, well, maybe we'll just have to add that to maybe next hour. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the big. Has uh, hmm. to do with the pig. With the pig. A pig. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to hearing that then. 
we'll see what category Sarah wants to put pig under. Okay, oh, I love it. Come back. Come back. Anything else, Maddie? Did I miss anything there? No, you did great, sweet mama. Thank you for uh, recounting those stories to us. It's fun. It's fun to hear about multiple holidays too in the Dalton household. Well, we didn't even get to the birthday parties that my kids had with, you know, the luau's and the, oh my gosh, every birthday was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Halloween, there was always a brunch at seven o'clock in the morning before everyone went to school, the cars would start arriving and the field hockey team or the cheerleaders or the basketball, whoever it was, whatever team the girls were doing at the time would have their Halloween brunch. So they would come in costume, jam the lane and come in and have brunch and then leave for school there about eight o'clock. So those were our Halloweens, <laughs> just a small holiday. That's awesome. And I'm sure you were probably busy sewing for days before. Did you help the kids make their costumes, sweet mama? Pretty much they came up with their own things. Somebody was a Chia Pet one year. Who was the Chia Pet? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the costumes. I remember some of Lindsay's friends came as a six pack, you know, they all walked together as a six pack. The rollerblades, we had the roller derbies, you know, oh, running through fun. the house on rollerblades. That was fun. Yeah. I love it. Well, so now that we have you and Sir back together, we figured we would pivot to talk a little bit about the Newman traditions that we have today, present day and the origins of those stories. So there are two specifically, and maybe you can decide amongst yourselves who would like to share the history of each one. Um, one of them is Mr. Bigley's, where that got started. And the other one is the tradition of the cashmere sweater exchange. Cashmere sweater exchange. Or maybe not an exchange. This was a question fielded from Clarabeth. Clara, do you want to clarify? The cashmere scarf. Oh, the cashmere oh, scarf. Oh, scarf. Yes. How you give Sarah a cashmere scarf every Christmas. Where does it come from? Uh, well, that came, I'll do this one and you can do Mr. Begley. That came from when Katie was living in New York. She had a, a friend who happened to have a stepfather named Gene Wilder, the candy man. And so for the stepson's birthday, we were invited to a party and we get there and Gene and his wife were there, you know, just like they're old friends of ours. Only Gene Wilder had a cashmere scarf around his neck. And it was like, whoa, that's, that's really, that's really a nice scarf. So from that time on, sir, as anytime he wants to feel like a celebrity or relate to Gene Wilder, he puts on his cashmere scarf and he looks a lot better than Wilder does. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got Mr. Bagley. Can you remember the beginnings of Mr. Bagley? Oh, Sarah, you may have to lean in a little. Mr. Bagley started. Uh, the Bagley had a quick. Oh, sweet. Sorry, lean in a little Move bit. Again. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, Katie was, I think, the youngest person invited, and you were maybe five, first Mr. Begley's. And um, Mr. Begley's mom, who was in her 80s, 
couple of moms were there, um, were the oldest and everything in between. So we were invited and we were told that it was going to be a, a Chinese auction. I didn't know what that was. And I said, well, what, what is that? And they said, well, you buy it. Everybody brings a present that you think somebody might like. Pretty, yeah, that was good. So, and it can't be over like $5 or whatever the amount was. So Sweet Mama goes out and I buy seven bags of Hershey's Kisses. Well, those of you who have played this game know that that did not go over very well. <laughs> Every time it'd be like, oh, who wants to open that one? You know? So, but our friend, Mr. Begley, would you like to describe Mr. Begley? Sarah, you may have to lean in here a bit. Yeah, Mr. Begley was uh, a couple years old at the house, but uh, believe it or not, he was goofier than us. And uh, so we had never been to one of their parties before. This is the first time. And, and our whole family was invited. And uh, we told him we didn't want to bring the children, but he said, you got to bring them all. <laughs> so we brought them all and uh, we showed up at the front door of Baker's house and he has on one of those green curly wigs afro, afro wigs you know that goes all over your head it's all green it just looks just like an afro uh -huh. it's green and it's curly so Mr. Bagley went into his mode and he invited everyone in. And um, his corduroy pants with Christmas trees on them, remember? Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, that was a, a funny experience seeing Kevin dressed up like Mr. Bagley. But uh, the part that I, I guess was the most fun is that he had a, a, for Christmas gifts. You had a Chinese auction. Do you, do you know what that is? It's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It, basically, you one person picks a gift, and everybody else sees what their gift is. And if somebody wants that gift, they say, well, I'll, I'll take that gift, and you draw another one. And then they go back under the Christmas tree and draw another one. And uh, as the game starts, you know, it's kind of slow getting started, but then more and more gifts uh, are known that somebody else has. So somebody might draw and open their gift and sit there with it for a while. And then they'll look around and maybe 10 people later, somebody else will open a gift that they really want. And so, they say that I want your gift and uh, I'll give up mine to whoever wants it or I'll put it under the tree. <laughs> so uh, at the beginning of the evening, and there, there usually were a lot of people there. There must have been 20 people, 20 gifts. And uh, so it just went around and around and around. And the kids, of course, had a great deal of fun. And there were a few 
the gifts that were attractive to adults. So the adults had fun. So we had, a, it was a, a Christmas, a Christmas event. And uh, it was uh, really delightful. That's amazing. And it's a Christmas tradition that we carry on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Bakley is still in our family. <laughs> I love it. Well, so we have, oh, sorry, Sarah, were you going to say something? I'll, I'll just tell you that other story that uh, happened at Christmas time, too. Okay. In the, uh, in the Mississippi Delta, these uh, lovely young affluent women, the college-age girls, um, would have a debutante party. And to be a debutante, you'd have to be, you know, a select group of people. So these were all very elite young women with uh, resourceful families and all. And they would have a, da a dance and they would, each gal, each debutante would invite maybe four or five boys. So there'd always be enough boys to dance with. And I had a buddy named Warren. <clears throat> and Warren and I were, uh, had met in our sophomore year in high school when I had moved to Mississippi and he had moved to this same small town. And we weren't particularly well accepted by the people and uh, the girls. So um, we, uh, we got to be buddies as sophomores. And as time passed on, <clears throat> We got to know more and more people and all. And, and Warren and I both liked to dance. And we liked to dance with debutantes because they had the best parties and that sort of thing. So when we were in college, younger, I, I don't know, maybe sophomores or juniors in college, one Christmas night, uh, the debutantes had rented the uh, Courthouse, Rosedale, Mississippi, which was the, uh, I, I guess that of that county was the, the largest town in the county. And uh, they had cleared the complete courthouse floor. And it was a dance. And they had a band called Red Tops. And it is one of the best known rock and roll bands that's uh, ever been known. Started in the Mississippi Delta and it stayed there for a long time. So we, Warren and I both went to a few dances at the Red Tops play and the debutantes at night had the Red Tops. So there it was a gala. In fact, it was so gala that there was a break of all things at midnight. Hmm. Oh, you would go off break and happen to go around to people's houses around town, visit, and then we'd come back and dance again. At midnight. At midnight. Wow. Sir, can and I have so, you lean in just a little bit? Just a little towards the mic. There you go. All Here right. You go. So <clears throat> then Warren and I were outside of these 
And you knew there was a break coming up. So we were outside chatting, deciding what would be uh, where we would go after that. And we were walking around in front of the courthouse, like across the street. And there was a farmer's pickup truck over there. He walked over and looked at the truck. And in the back of the truck, in a cage, was a pig. And he must have weighed, he, he was not fully grown. And uh, he was, you know, making his noises and all in the, in the back of the pickup truck. So we thought, wouldn't it be fun if the little pig got loose and all the dancing girls came out of the debutante dance floor. And so they started coming out of the dance floor. And the pig started coming out of his crate. <laughs> and we turned the pig loose. We ran all over the courtyard. So the girls liked that, and they started chasing the pig. <laughs> <laughs> See these girls, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of dresses running around trying to catch the little pig. Well, turned out that Nobody caught him, fortunately. And uh, it, it created quite a row. And uh, nobody knew who had been responsible for it. And uh, Warren and I had some information who it might have been, but we didn't think to bring it up. <laughs> this is probably part of the reason you're still a free man today, sir. <laughs> Great, I'll roll the levee somewhere. That's part of it. <laughs> Warren and I were popular in these dances, so I don't know how hard they would come down on this one. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that is a great story. Yeah, it, it was a, a something to see. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, we have one more question before we close out today, because I know we're coming up on the end of our hour. Um, Aunt Erin was wanting to hear a little bit about Ken Mullen's day. Uh, Ken Mullen's day. Well, Ken Mullen's, um, we were living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. And Uncle Ricky had his eighth birthday. And our house was... Um, about a block and a half from the St. John River. And um, get to the river, you go downhill. They had a boat ramp there where you could go downhill to the, to the river. So for Richard's birthday, he got a brand new bicycle. Eight years old, brand new bike. He was king of the mountain. So um, I was sewing, actually. She and Uncle Duff. And phone rang and I didn't even answer it upstairs. I ran downstairs and picked up the phone. And someone at the club said, um, your son is hurt. And I ran out, my neighbor came over, stayed with Katie and Duff. I guess Erin and Lindsay, I guess she's what she did. And um, uh, so I ran down to the club. So what happened was Richard and Ken Mullins is friend Ken. Uh, were riding their bikes and they went down this ramp and they hit gravel. And when they did, 
he threw Richard off of his bike and he hit his head on the curb and he was out cold and he was at the bottom of the hill. So Ken Mullins, who was smaller than Richard, he was eight years old, but he was smaller than Richard, picked him up and carried him up the club, the clubhouse, uh, which was, you can imagine a boat ramp. That's how far he carried him up the hill and went into the club and laid him down and said, he's hurt. And they called 911. So um, by the time the rescue people got there, I was there. So I was in the back of the rescue thing going to the hospital. Interesting little aside, um, the neighbors took care of all of the kids. Well, this was all going on. Sir was on his way home from work. And as he turns into the neighborhood, the rescue squad goes flying by. And he says to himself, boy, somebody's in the work. And it was his son. So it turned out that Richard had um, had to have stitches in his shoulder and in his chin, and he had a concussion. So they kept him for several hours and then released him to come home. So as a thank you, we in the neighborhood had Ken Mullins Day, and we had a great big parade with the noisemakers, and we had all the kids all lined up and went down to the club, and I had cupcakes and decorations and all, and we celebrated this hero of ours who basically had saved his life. Little boy did great things. I'd like to know where Ken Mullins is today. I bet he's doing something really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so sweet. I don't think I knew about Ken Mullins Day. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and thank you, Ann Aaron, for asking that question. Yeah. Aaron was very much a part of that when we weren't you honey? Yeah, and and you know, mom closed down the streets. It was a you know, they it, it was like a serious parade. We had floats, we had our bikes all decorated, and the newspaper came, and uh, you know, it was really a memorable event. And we made I remember making decorating a big chair and carrying it with Ken on it and a oh. crown on his head. And um, you know, it was just really uh, you know mom and dad really made that a, an event that was that really celebrated his heroism yeah 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 it was, it was big big stuff yeah. i'll never forget it. it yeah they're heroes everywhere and they need to be yeah. celebrated right yep exactly so i think i think with that then wmgbc is going to be signing off on this yes. holiday version of our